Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. Hey, hey, I just wanted to pop on here real quick before the episode starts and give a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Now that that's out of the way, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy it because it helps the podcast grow. And don't forget to be peace, be love, be mindful as a mother. Hey, hey, welcome back. It's Lindsay and I'm here with Paige and we're doing our monthly Q&A episode. Hey, welcome back, everybody. So excited to be here. If you haven't heard yet, this is actually going to be our last Q&A before we take a boom, 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 podcast break. I'm really excited. And if you're watching the YouTube version, I'm doing weird dance moves um, because I don't think I've ever taken a break this long from the podcast since we I started it uh, two years ago almost. And what I'm more excited about, though, more than the break is next season, because we're going to be talking about something that is very near and dear to both of us. Do you want to share mm-hmm. what it is, Paige? Yes. Yeah, so we are going to be deep diving into being an adult with ADHD and all of the things that go along with that, including being a parent. Yes. And I'm so excited and for season three, because it's a new era. I feel like I just feel this new era energy with mindful as a mother. So is it, is it new era energy or is it the lunar eclipse? Uh, who knows? We're recording we'll never on know. the day of the lunar eclipse. <laughs> We're both a little woo woo and uh, it's been weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the break is really important because one, it gives us a break from constantly creating content, but two, we're trying to be really intentional moving into our next season where every episode is going to be value packed. And also we are, um, pitching interviews for people who have real life experiences, whether they're PhDs, doctors, or parents who are experiencing these things and really unpacking the experience because you've heard this before. If you've met one person with autism, or one autistic person, you've met one autistic person. It is the same with every category of neurodivergence in my personal opinion. I don't know that I'll find that in a paper somewhere, but if you've met one person with ADHD, one adult with ADHD, you have met uh, one adult with ADHD. And sometimes you have two people with ADHD in a marriage and they're totally different, like Mm -hmm, me and my mm -hmm. husband. And me and my husband. See, there we go. (laughs) So it's going to be fun. And it's something I'm really excited about that pertains to my day-to-day life a lot. And it's going to be great. And right now we're kind of just like flying by the seat of our pants with topics, doing what we get requests for, what sounds interesting. And so I'm excited to have like a plan. Yeah, it's going to be great. Actually, and one of the things that I appreciate the break for is our ability to focus um, because a superpower of an individual with ADHD is the ability to hyper-focus on areas of interest, but it's also very difficult to focus on things that are not interesting. So something we're very interested in is this topic with hyper-focus. But speaking of, 
getting focused and calm for things that we maybe don't have an interest in. Lindsay and I have had the opportunity to try a brand new product that is being sponsored by Magic Mind. Yeah, it's amazing. Sorry, I, I was so excited about it that I just like jumped right in, but you go first. Yeah, I was just going to say Magic Mind is actually somebody that we've approached. They um, use matcha, nootropics, a couple other things that I'll read to you in a minute because I can't pronounce them without literally staring at the word. But the founder of the company ended up having a major health problem with his heart because of the level of stress mixed with the amount of caffeine that he was drinking. And what the doctor basically said was, hey, you need to limit the amount of caffeine. And so in his mind, he's like, I need something to help sustain me through a 21st century work week, work day, which is something that we also talk about. We're pretty passionate about is the number of things and roles we have to do in a limited amount of time. And so his doctor recommended matcha and talked about how matcha um, in combination with the caffeine helps it slow release for a more sustainable um, focus and it's calmer. You don't feel as anxious. And then it would help you last through your workday. So what he did is he spent a decade with a whole team researching the different ingredients that go into this product. And we've had the opportunity to try it to see how it helps our calm and focus, actually. And Lindsay's been able to take it a few days longer than I have. So Lindsay, how, how's it going? It's going really well. First of all, I have to tell you, I hate the taste of matcha. I think it tastes like dirt and I don't hate the taste <laughs> of this. So yes. whatever they did to make it like still, and it doesn't taste like artificial either. I realize it's going to taste like green things because, you know, it's healthy, um, mm -hmm. but it does not taste. It's not like repulsive to me. I, I like the taste of it. They've done a great job. I've also noticed this more like calm level of focus throughout the mm -hmm. entire day, rather than like energy dips and crashes. Mm-hmm. And so that's been really nice. And I feel like my mood has been better because I'm more able to focus and I'm not as distracted. So like my mind's not wandering all the time. And then I'm having to like bring it back to what I'm doing. I'm just able to like be in the moment, be present. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel like really calm and confident and focused. What have you noticed? I love that. I, for the first thing I noticed is the same as you was that it didn't taste like dirt. <laughs> Which is, I'm like, okay, so I tried that fad a couple of years ago. I was like, take a shot of apple cider vinegar every day. This is like me talking to myself to convince myself to take a shot of apple cider vinegar, which is the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my life. And actually the first time they told me to put it in some water and then drink it. And I was like, no, because I tried that and I almost vomited. So I was ready. I was like, all right, this thing is going to, this is going to be disgusting so I shook it I shot it and I was like actually this isn't bad it's like this makes me feel like I'm I'm back in Phoenix living my healthy life where I just left my favorite gym and then there's a juice bar in the same plaza and I was like I'm gonna go live my most healthy life and like drink a green juice yes. it was it was really good um and then my favorite part of today has been I didn't hit my normal afternoon crash because I love a caffeinated beverage I had my coffee and the, it gives you directions when you take Magic Mind. Did you get the little label? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, you can have it in all these different ways and you can have it without coffee or you can have it adjacent to your coffee. And I love having my morning cup of coffee. So I did. But typically by this time in the afternoon, I hit a crash and I need to take like a 20 minute nap. So for me, that has been the most frustrating part in general of life is that afternoon crash. And I haven't hit it at all today. So I'm excited and my fingers are crossed that I continue to have these benefits as it builds up. Woo! Woo! 
it. So I'm excited. And if any of our listeners are interested in trying this product, we actually get a special discount code, which is my favorite. I would recommend the subscription versus the one-time purchase because you're going to get a lot more for your money and it's 40% off a subscription. And they ask that you take it three to five days just to let it build in your system to get maximum benefits. So if you are interested in that, it is at www.magicmind.co forward slash motherhood. That is the link for you to go and it's going to be in our show notes also. And then the promo code is motherhood20, all caps, M-O-T-H-E-R-H-O-O-D-2-0, motherhood20. So one more time, www.magicmind.co forward slash motherhood, and then use the subscription discount code motherhood20. And then slide into our DMs because I want to know everyone else's experience with this. Yes. And I've been looking into nootropics specifically for a really long time. And with my ADHD and my decision paralysis, I get paralyzed in like, which one do I pick? Um, How do I find a good one? And so just take our recommendation. We've done the research on this company. We don't recommend things that we don't personally use. And this Mm -hmm. is the one for you. And the packaging is so cute, guys. It's cute. Thanks for spreading magic is what they told me. And that was just like, spooky season. (laughs) Love it. Spread my magic all over you. That sounded so dirty. That sounded so (laughs) bad. I'm going to leave it in. I am not editing that out. So spread your magic seed. Okay. It got worse. It got worse. Okay. (laughs) Let's get to our first question. How do you connect more with your children? It's hard for me to express love in hugs or comfort. And this is such a great question that I don't think we've ever had before. And that's why we're doing it first. Because I think if you grew up in a home where there wasn't a lot of physical affection, love and connection, it can be really hard to give that. Or if you have your own like neurodivergence and you get overstimulated by touch, it can be really hard as a parent. So what are your thoughts, Paige? Um... My first thought is that I actually have worked with people where this was a struggle because of the parent's own experience. Um, And something that we talk about a lot in this could be turned cliche if you don't take it in a way where it's going to apply to you. So that's my disclaimer is we've explored love languages. And I know that that sounds kind of janky because it's been around forever, but it's been around forever for a reason, the Gottman Institute. So there's love languages for adults and there's love languages for children, which means there is a way that you and your child can communicate. And so one thing that I would encourage you to do, especially if physicality is a barrier, is to figure out what your love language is in giving and what your child's love language is in receiving and then focus on giving them love in that way. So that would be my first thing. What are your thoughts? Well, and then if their love language is physical touch, because then that's where you're like, oh, okay, well then I'm still in the same spot if their love language Mm -hmm, is physical mm -hmm. touch. You can find ways that feel that feel okay, kind of meeting in the middle. So I'm going to use an example with my son, Sam. Mm -hmm. So he is not a big physical touch person unless he initiates it. So, and it's a lot of it's sensory stuff. So you'll see people like going for a hug with Sam and he does this like, and it's not, and, and if you're just listening, it's like this little, he like shakes it off a little bit. Right. And it's not a way of like being disrespectful or not wanting a hug. It's really like, it's a sensory, it's a, it's like almost like a reflex reaction he has. 
And so there, I know because I spent a lot of time with him, there's certain ways of having physical contact that he really likes. So if he's upset, he likes to sit next to me and like lay on me, but he doesn't want me to just like grab him for a hug. He does not like the Mm -hmm. back tickle, but if I put my hand on his back, he likes like the pressure and the physical contact. That's what he likes. Mm -hmm. You can do the same thing for you. So you can say like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not like a back tickler. You lay on the couch and cuddle with me kind of person, but I'm like, we sit next to each other and we hold Mm -hmm. hands or I set my hand on your shoulder when I'm talking to you, or I, um, put my hand on your foot or your knee while we're talking. Like there's ways Mm -hmm. to kind of find a middle ground that still provide that connection and comfort while also acknowledging that like, it's not your natural go-to to be cuddly. Yeah. And I want to take a moment to normalize this too, is I would say that I am a very physical mother in general. And there are times when I'm totally touched out or the, the type of touch is not it like doesn't feel good to my system. So I want to normalize to you that not every nurturing mother figure or parental figure needs to be this all-encompassing, like physical, touchy-lovey situation. And actually one of the most important people and one of the most important parental figures in my children's lives is not a physical person. And so my middle kid, Yuri, is very touchy-feely. Um, like to the point where when she was a baby, her nose would be like up in my armpit all the time. That's like her favorite cuddle spot is like glued to my side, specifically my pits. Anyways, so what she does is this person will sit on the couch and then Yuri will sit like next to her where like the right side of Yuri's body is touching this person. But like that's the extent. It's not like full on I'm sitting on your lap or anything, but it is, like you said, it's, it's a welcome compromise where Yuri still feels a level of connection. That's also okay with this individual. Um, and then I also wanted to speak on, I think we just need a healthy reminder because we haven't talked about this in a few months on the, um, the idea of comparison. And I talked about this on my Instagram and figuring out again, or self-identifying again, what kind of mother we are and being okay with that because we're not going to be every kind of mother. Like I'm not a bedtime story mom. I loathe trying to maintain my kids' attention while I read them bedtime stories. Like I'll read to you earlier in the day. I'll take you out on adventures, but like, I don't like to read bedtime stories. So we listen to audiobooks, right? So I have self-identified that I am an adventure mom Like I am a quality time mom where we're going to go out and go to the library, but I am not a bedtime story mom. And once I'm able to identify that, it helps me limit comparisons or feel like I'm, I have a deficit or a weakness in this area and really like lean into that strength that I do have. I love that. And I love that, like, you've been able to say that like, Hey, this isn't my strong suit, but I have other things and other qualities that that I can just like lean into and enjoy those. And those are probably things that help us enjoy motherhood more because I think what happens sometimes is, and I might be going on a tangent is we try to be the bedtime story mom when we're not. And then mm-hmm. we end up hating motherhood, like for lack yeah. of a better word, like you wonder why totally dysregulated. You wonder why you feel resentful and you don't like being a mom. And then you feel guilty on top of that for not liking being a mom when really you're just not trying to be the mom that you actually are. You're trying to be the mom that you think you should be rather than just leaning into like your natural like abilities and inclination to do certain things. 
like I'm trying to think of what kind of mom I'm not I'm not the kind of mom that watches her language we'll start there and I'm not <laughs> like the kind of mom that does a lot of stuff for you like I'll I want my kids to like do things on their own and so and I'm not really a play with you mom I I do play with them or spend time with them but like I there's nothing I dislike more than like getting on the floor and playing probably because I do it do all, all day. day right and so I find time and spaces to meet those needs but like being okay with that in myself like it's okay that I don't want to get on the floor and play dollhouse luckily my kids have an aunt that is amazing that mm-hmm. is the dollhouse player she is the get on the floor and play with you person and so they still get that and they get that from their dad sometimes and they get it from me in different ways like I would rather play a board game yeah or like a card game or Legos or do something else than play Barbies yeah that's how I feel and I feel like if we can just sit in it and identify the mom we are we can limit our comparisons to the mom that other people are and feel less like we need to be meeting those standards to raise emotionally healthy and stable children because that's not the case yeah yeah just a quick recap you can explore love languages Most importantly, you can find a way that compromises to meet your needs and your kiddos needs that feels right for you. And we can also not be every kind of mom. And we encourage you guys to identify the mom you are and lean into that because that is something special and unique that your kids need. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Okay. Question number two. I love this one. How do you manage expectations of yourself, your home and your partner while also trying to be realistic and feel validated. Oh, this like feeds right into what we were talking about. Um, Okay, that's a lot of people's expectations. I gotta think this through. Okay, expectations for myself, I think, I don't know. I'm terrible at it. Maybe I need to like answer this question for myself. Um, Those are the best answers. (laughs) Right, right. One like advice I need to take for myself. I would start with saying like what you think is a realistic expectation might not be for someone else when it comes to your partner. So just because you think that something and and exploring why you think things are important and why you have the expectation you do. Do you get where I'm Mm -hmm. going with this page? Yeah, absolutely. I'm also curious of like, are these expectations of yourself to meet with you like to connect with your partner or expectations you have for yourself in maintaining your home right or is this like my partner should be doing this so regardless this is a an affirmation I've been leading into this week again we are woo woo adjacent so we are embracing the affirmations guys because there's a whole theory behind it it's called cognitive behavioral therapy if you can change your beliefs and your thinking patterns you can change your actions which will change your life Okay, that is science. So we lean into affirmations. And one this week that really resonated with me that just kind of popped up was what I can do every day will look different. Oh, I love that. That's That's, okay. I was thinking that as like, especially um, having like so many different roles, sometimes I'm going to be at work longer. And so my expectations of like the amount of connection and mothering I do, the amount of stuff I get done around the house that is Mm -hmm. going to be different from day to day. And that's okay. Depending on my mood 
if anyone is sick, the weather, how busy we are, all of those things. And so I think just allowing it to be flexible and allowing yourself to flow with it and not really holding yourself to any expectations. And I know it's like maybe the hardest thing in life is to not have expectations for like, I have to do these certain things. Um, That's kind of where I was moving. And what I was thinking is how can we let go of these expectations more or less and set ourselves free? And something, and we'll talk about this a lot in um, season three, I think, because I'm really diving, I'm really diving into this, but is like making things functional rather than having like a expectation. So for the house, as an example, and if you haven't read it, and I'm sure we'll dive into it in season three, there's a book called, what the hell is it called? Okay. I got to look it up. It's called uh, how to keep house when you're drowning or something. Yes. That's it. You nailed it. Okay. She's amazing. I can't remember her name. Read that book. Anyway, it talks about (laughs) making your home. I can't remember anyone's name. I'm sorry. Um, keeping your house functional and doing your house as functional. And we all have different levels of functionality. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that for me has been a big shift in all expectations in my business, in my parenting. So like viewing motherhood as a relationship and having the expectation be how, how am I doing in this relationship rather than how am I doing with the tasks that come with motherhood that I need to like check, check, check. Right. Yes. I also would like you reader, listener, socialer, button pusher, TikToker to lean into this idea. I'm going to ask you to journal. I'm going to ask all of our listeners to journal. You can do it on your phone. You could do it in a voice memo. You could do it on a, a pad and paper, but I want you to examine your expectations and ask yourself, where are they coming from? So I'm going on vacation starting Friday. We're going on a family vacation. Immediately, my brain and body move to my entire house needs to be cleaned before I'm I leave. I'm laughing because I knew we were going here because this is like a normal page behavior. This is guys. a page thing. And I'm like, bathrooms need to be scrubbed. All laundry needs to be washed. Dishwasher should be empty. And I'm like, okay, let me lean into this. Where is this coming from? And is this expectation a necessity or a desire? Like, is this something that absolutely needs to happen for the well-being of myself and my family? And don't get stretchy here. We're not pushing the boundaries on what that looks like. Boil it down to basic need. Is this a necessity? No, or is this a desire? Pack your shit and go on vacation. Yeah. Like the the necessity (laughs) would be that we have our shit packed. So every other week I try to vacuum and mop, but it used to be weekly where I would, I would clean the house top to bottom. That wasn't realistic anymore. So it's not, it wasn't realistic and it wasn't a necessity for that happiness and well-being of my family. Yeah. And I think that's really good to like, sorry, the internet's going in and out freaking zoom. Anyway, um, I think examining that and adjusting, like saying that I don't have to continue to live in this same pattern just because it's what I've always done. I want to get really curious about where this comes from and if it's necessary. Mm-hmm. That's my other favorite phrase is to get curious. Because if you can approach things with curiosity, you're more likely to approach them with empathy and compassion. 
And that's true of your expectations and behaviors and your partners and your children's. Get curious. Well, I want to say something too about, yeah, your children's. Like, so why, why do we expect certain behaviors from our, our kids or what, do we, and the shoulds, right. That we have with like parent or children and how they should behave and what mm-hmm. they should be doing. And where does that come from? And is it about you and mm-hmm. what like, and a lot of times, like we want our kids to be perfect or have perfect behavior because we feel like it's a reflection of our own parenting and examining that and then trying to like, let go of it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. And not to slip in a promo, but Lindsay is still hosting problem solving sessions. And if you're struggling with the idea of what are realistic expectations for you as a parent or realistic expectations and validation of your, the expectations for your children's behaviors, go ahead and book with her because that is something specific that she can help you walk through. We answer questions broadly, but it's, there is no cookie cutter answer. Mm -hmm. So if this is something that you're really struggling with, reach out. You can slide into my DMs. Lindsay has a whole cool form set up, but either of us would be happy to help walk you through this. Okay. Yes. Okay. So We have a few more minutes. I want to try to get through two more questions. Okay. Okay. Here's the challenge. I have a two-year-old daughter, 28 months. In the last two months, all day, every day, she's just screaming and melting down. A lot of the times we'll go in her room and I'll sit on the floor with her until she comes down. She was throwing herself down, throwing things, kicking the door. It usually ends up in laying in her bed and resting afterwards. That makes sense because now we've moved to the stress response and we're exhausted. Sometimes nothing works to calm her down. I feel like we're walking on eggshells, trying not to upset her. And I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do. I know toddler tantrums are normal, but five plus a day, they never end quickly. Please help. Said to help. Um, Okay, I think we're going to say the same thing. But Go first. Go. Get really curious about triggers and really just observe like what's happening and setting her off. Um, because sometimes, and what time of day things are happening at, because sometimes there's something underlying that we're not noticing. Is she hungry? If she is hungry or needs a nap or is starting to get sick, are they more frequent? Do they last longer? Um, it's Mm -hmm. not just like the trigger is being told no, right? Like that's, yes, that's a common tantrum trigger. We don't like to hear no toddlers don't like to hear no. There's not a human being on this freaking planet that likes to hear no. But maybe the tantrum is longer because she's tired or hungry or thirsty or, or you just moved or whatever. Right. So like get really curious about what could be contributing to this. And then as far as like in the moment, I think trying to find the very first sign of a meltdown or tantrum and trying to start there with comforting and not waiting until you are in like full-on fight or flight stress response because there's a point in a tantrum and I like to call it the point of no return mm-hmm. and pretty much language warning you're just fucked at that point like you're just like holding on riding the wave you're passing out taking a nap in your bed after you've gone the, you know um, so there's a point where you can kind of like change direction work through it quickly and then there's the point of no return so trying to find like the build-up I guess is what I'm trying to say Yeah, absolutely. I actually have one of these fiery toddlers. Um, She just turned four and we went through probably like six to nine months of this consistently, which is 
harder um, and more than my other two kids, which is so strange to me. But what I have learned is I had to pay a lot of attention to what was setting her off. And what I had learned was if we aren't taking the time to hear her out, she is triggered instantly. Like if we're talking over her, if she feels like we're not list, like hearing the point she's trying to make, even though like toddler logic does not make a lot of sense majority of the time, like she will go off. And then there's other things like, like if she hasn't napped for the day, which she also has been fighting us on napping. If she hasn't napped then she's much more easier thrown into a tantrum. Um, the thing that has helped us the most is consistency with some of our specific responses. Like with, with her being so fiery, I feel like it was a lot easier for my husband or I to give in or use alternate methods. And then that level of inconsistency in our parenting. So like, for example, I'm like, it's bedtime. It's time to go to bed. She's giving me pushback. Um, and I'm like overwhelmed. So I hand it over to my husband. And then he's like, if you go to bed, I'll give you a lollipop. And I'm like, <laughs> we're not approaching it the same. Um, I'm very much so like, we're going to bed. It's bedtime. I hear you. It's disappointing that we have to stop playing and it's still time for bed. And he's like, well, if you just get in bed, I'll give you a lollipop. Right. So we're not approaching it the same. So now the expected response is going to be a tantrum. One, because she predictably doesn't know how we're going to work through this. And two, because if she throws a tantrum with, with me, and, and like, I'm also guilty of like, well, if you take a bath, we can eat tacos. But like, <laughs> but on the other end, right? So she knows that she's going to end up getting what she wants. So it's a combination of the inconsistency and then me not having strong or like as a, a parental set, having firm, those firm boundaries even though we know it's going to be like emotional terrorism for a short period of time. Yeah. The other thing I had the thought too of is at that age developmentally, there's a lot of fight for control and autonomy. And so, um, and autonomy is a basic need for a toddler. So mm -hmm. um, finding ways that you can give choices, control, and options in areas that you're okay with. So like, I totally mm -hmm. understand that like a two-year-old doesn't get to choose when they go to bed or take their nap or that they can't play with fire or whatever. Right. But they can choose what color plate they have or what they wear that day. And sometimes the, if, if autonomy is the thing that they're fighting for, the more you give them autonomy naturally, they will um, not fight for it as much because that need is being mm -hmm. met beforehand. So like being heard and connection. So are you hearing mm -hmm. them out? Are you listening to them? Are you taking time to hear their story when they're explaining what they drew in the picture for you instead of just saying like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Are you asking questions? Um, are you asking their opinion on things? Even if you don't do what they say, if you say, what do you think we should have for dinner tonight? Or do you want corn or broccoli tonight? Giving them the option to feel like they're heard, sometimes meeting that need beforehand will reduce the tantrum later on. Mm -hmm. And the more consistently you can meet the basic needs with this case of toddler autonomy, the easier it will get as in like less tantrums, hopefully, because that will be a predictive, like predictably but they will be able to predict that that's a response. Like, oh, they're going to hear me out. They're going to listen. And actually last week, two weeks ago, can't remember, but on a Friday when I was not working and I was home with my three children, I did a parenting challenge for myself because I had noticed that when my kids started fighting or they had conflict or they were telling me something that was basically like arguing with me or I didn't really want to hear it, I would just feel, uh-huh, yep, that's so cool. Okay, great. Yep, I hear you. 
like right and just kind of brush past it um so what I did was I set a personal parenting challenge where instead of doing that I would take the time to connect with them and validate the emotion they were experiencing and the thing that they were trying to say and then walk them through that conflict resolution with their sibling so I talked about this in a previous episode where we did like big bucket small bucket big bucket um, and it was like, hey, is this a big bucket response or is this a little bucket or is this a little bucket problem? Like, what do we need to do? So what happened was for the first three-ish hours of the day, things were pretty intense. And what I would do is I would stay calm. I'd get on their level and I'm like, okay, tell me what's going on. And I would let each like, kiddo kind of share what's happening. And then we would approach one of them and I'd say, okay, together, is this a, a little bucket problem or a big bucket problem? And then they would get to pick. And big bucket is generally like life-threatening. So I have yet to hear a big bucket, except they thought we lost our cat outside and it was lost forever. And that was a big bucket. But anyways, that so mostly like been, a big bucket though. That's what she said. She I can was see like, the logic on that one. Yeah. She, she was like, well, she said something. I was like, oh, the cat will come back. And she's like, I'm sad. I, was like, I, I hear you sad. And she was I was like, do you think this is a little bucket or a big bucket? She's like, well, a little bucket, but if she never comes back, then it's a big bucket. I was like, I, yeah, that's true. Valid. <laughs> like valid, valid. valid. Um, so then they would, they would identify like, this is a little bucket. I'm like, okay, so a little bucket, what could we say to help solve our problem? Mm-hmm. And so then we coach kind of using our words of like, um, Yuri, when you took the Lego from me, it really hurt my feelings. Please don't take the Legos from me. And then we would take time to make sure that the other one heard and acknowledged. And the other one would get the opportunity to, hey, when you hit me, when I took that Lego, it hurt. Please don't hit me. You can ask for it. And then, you know, they went on their jelly old way or whatever. So what I noticed was my very fiery, fresh four-year-old. So she's still very much a toddler. The first three hours or so of the day were pretty intense, but then after that, they started walking through this process on their own. And my four-year-old, who normally will give lots of pushback, will like throw hands before anything else. Um, and definitely, like if you ask for something, even if they're not going to actively use it in play, they'll be like, "No, nah. that's that is my four-year-old." I um, love she- kids like that. I love a fiery <laughs> kid. I love it. Well, and then we got to train them to use it. We got to train them to use it for power. Um, yeah. But. What she did was she was, she compromised a lot more because she felt hurt and had that level of autonomy where she was like, yes, you can have this now I'm done. Or she would say, this is a little bucket. Please don't hit me on her own independently. And so all day the kids got along much, much better than I had anticipated this ever working. So I was like, whoa, this is great. And I enjoyed them. And the house was loud and rambunctious, but it was all happy sounds. And the times when I thought my four-year-old was going to tell him no or hit him or kick him or all those things, she actually was much more willing to compromise and to like work together to solve the problem. And then they all played happily again together. All that to say, there are some techniques to try in returning autonomy to your kid by being able to actually hear and validate what they're saying, even though it feels like it's not important because given their experience, everything is pretty much life or death. Okay. So I say we all do a challenge. I'm going to do mine tomorrow because it's my day off and I'll be with the kids all day. And we got to think of what to call it. Hashtag. Bucket. I just bucket challenge. Just kidding. <laughs> no. Okay. Anyway, we'll, we'll do that at the end. Okay. So the, the challenge is to 
listen to your kids and be present when they are talking to you. Validate their feelings and experiences and walk them through problem solving if they need it. So this also includes too, I think if your child's like showing you a picture, like asking them questions about it and hearing their experience. And I want you to just take note throughout the day, kind of like Paige did. Um, and you can use the big bucket, little bucket if you have sibling rivalry situations going on and they need to work through conflict. Um, take note through the day of how they're, their presence, their energy, and the the vibe shifts. Mm -hmm. That is your challenge. And maybe we'll just call it uh, mindful as a mother challenge. Hashtag. Yes. Hashtag mindful as a mother challenge. And we will check in on it next week when we record the pod. Yes. Um, And I'm going to post about it. So I'll be posting tomorrow about uh, mindful as a mother challenge and you will listen to this tomorrow probably so that yeah. you can start it and share with us like tag us in your stories share with us your experience share with us how your kids are differently how they're showing up differently how you're showing up differently in parenting by taking this approach and I know that this will change your the amount of joy you get from parenting I can tell Absolutely. you that a hundred percent, if you really commit to it and do it, this will change how much you enjoy your kids. Um, and we all need reminders because I think when we think of intentional parenting, we think that we're intentional hundred percent of the time and life is just not like that. And so even mm-hmm. me like listening to Paige do this, I'm like, oh, I should try that. I needed that reminder. Um, someone who's like based their whole business and life around intentional parenting still needs right. the <laughs> reminder that they need to be a freaking intentional parent. So don't beat yourself up. Let's just all do this together. Big community. Yeah. Mindful motherhood challenge. Mindful motherhood challenge. And we'll check in next week. And speaking of next week, this is our last question, which I don't want to answer today, but it leads directly into next week because we will be recording and interviewing Shonda Morales, LCSW, who specializes um, women, specifically mothers, in taking mindfulness breaks or showing up intentionally with our kids and our life in a way to help reduce stress on our nervous system, to maximize the joy and benefits we're receiving, although even though we're juggling a million roles. So we will, I just thought of Hawaiian sweet roles when I did juggling a million roles. So those are not the roles I'm talking about, but I might be hungry. So Next week, we're interviewing Shonda Morales, and she's going to give us tips on how to incorporate mindfulness breaks to take care of ourselves, our kids, and our nervous system without totally disrupting our entire day, our life, or feeling like we're not getting any benefit out of it. She also wrote a book, which I'm going to ask her about next week, too, and kind of her motivation behind it. So please tune in. I'm so excited. Let us know if you have any questions, slide into our DMs. Don't forget the Mindful Motherhood Challenge and we'll talk to you guys next week. Okay, bye. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.